Welcome to Grim Gossip. Before we start the show, I want to give a proper warning. The episode you are about to hear may include grim details about assault, rape, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Today's case is about Alex Skeel. He and his twin brother were born prematurely on August 17, 1995. Weighing in at just two pounds, Alex was placed in the intensive care unit and went through multiple surgeries as a baby. Despite this, he and his brother were successful in becoming baby models for a supermarket chain. Growing up, he was really focused on football, or soccer as it's known in the U.S. He wasn't really paying attention to girls at this point until Jordan walked into his life. In 2012, Alex met Jordan when he was just 16 and she was 17. They began dating. He began bringing her around his friends and they all liked her. Jordan was apparently quiet and timid and they liked that she started to be a part of the group. But she didn't understand why they sat down as a family to have dinner or why they were so close-knit. For Jordan's 18th birthday, Alex's mom, Jed, booked tickets to the Lion King for her and their family. What started off as a nice evening turned suspenseful. When Alex went to the bathroom and came out, Jordan had disappeared. He had no idea where she went and she wasn't answering her phone. He told his family in a panic and they began to search for her. After an hour, they reconvened back at the hotel where they found Jordan in the hotel lobby laughing. This was just a big game to her. His family thought this was extremely absurd behavior and told him it was wrong. But Alex looked past it. He said, quote, When it's just us two, it's not like that, so you're wrong, unquote. But she started to show some controlling aspects. She'd tell him he couldn't wear certain things or colors because she didn't like them or she didn't think he looked good in it. So under her direction, he stopped. Not long after, the twins were celebrating their 18th birthday. Their mother threw a large birthday bash for her boys and invited all of their friends and family. Not only were they celebrating their birthdays, but they were also celebrating the fact that both boys were headed off to college. But Jordan had stipulations about the invite list. Jordan didn't want Jed's friend's 15-year-old daughter there, but Alex said, quote, I don't know if she's coming or not, unquote. The night of their party, Jordan caused a huge scene with this girl and began screaming at her in the middle of the party. She caused such a big scene that the music was turned off in order to address the problem. Jed and Jordan got into a screaming match as well, and Jed told her to leave. Alex was in tears and said no, that he wanted Jordan to stay. One of Alex's friends took him to the bathroom to talk to him about the situation and advised him that Jordan was no good. She is a problem starter and he just needed to let her go, but Alex refused. A week or two later, Alex and Jordan got into a big fight and it ended with Jordan breaking his SIM card in half. 
This was the last straw for Alex. He decided enough was enough and he broke up with her. This was a cause for celebration with his family and friends. They were happy that he had finally gotten rid of her, but their celebration was short-lived. Jordan showed back up, claiming to be pregnant. Jed wasn't having it, though. She told Jordan to take a test in their house, and sure enough, she was pregnant. Jed told her son that he didn't need to be with her, but that he, quote, needed to stand by her, unquote. Alex had every intent of being there for his baby, but he knew that he couldn't be in a relationship with Jordan again. Then, they had radio silence from her for about a year. Their first child, Thomas, was born on May 19, 2014. Jordan texted Jed and said, quote, Are you willing to meet your grandson? Unquote. Which, of course, Jed said yes. Jordan showed up on the Skeel family doorstep with the baby on August 12, 2014, three months after he was born. Jed was in love with her grandson the moment she laid eyes on him. Alex was furious that his mom had let Jordan into the house, but Jed explained herself and the situation and told him that she wanted to be his grandma. She told Alex that it seems as though motherhood had changed Jordan for the better, that she seemed to be a different person now. His family kept telling Alex to give her a second chance. Alex still refused to see Jordan, but wanted to see his baby boy. He wanted to do it under certain conditions. He wanted to go and meet his son with the most important person in his life, his grandfather. So Jed scheduled a meeting between Alex and Thomas without Jordan there. And just like his mother, he fell in love with that baby the moment he laid eyes on him. Eventually, even though they were still not in a relationship, Jordan had moved in with the Skill family and everything was going well. They were one big happy family and Jordan really did seem to have changed. She was being nice, and her demeanor actually had changed. But one of Alex's friends was beginning to be concerned. He knew that it wouldn't be long until Jordan got her claws back into Alex. And sure enough, on January 1st, 2015, they were back together again. Again, everything seemed to be going perfectly, until they weren't. Not long after this, while Alex and Jordan were out driving, they were screaming obscenities out the window to the same girl Jordan had tried to attack during Alex's 18th birthday party. Jed was upset and told Jordan this was not going to happen again. And Jordan, knowing exactly what was going to happen, packed all of hers and Thomas's things and told Alex that he had to choose her and the baby or his mom and his family. Of course, being afraid of losing his child, Alex chose Jordan and the baby. So the couple moved in with her and her family in May of 2015. Alex was determined to ensure his little family stayed together and would do anything to ensure his child's safety. Alex was only 19 at the time. 
Soon after moving in with Jordan's parents, she began to accuse Alex of cheating on her or being with other girls while they weren't together when she was pregnant with Thomas. She would question him all the time about other girls but refused to believe any answers he gave. At this point, Jordan began to start controlling Alex more. She changed his phone number and sold his PlayStation so that he could have no communication with any of his friends or family. Jed was so desperate to hear anything from her son that she sent him one pound with a message saying, quote, I love you, unquote. She received a response that read, quote, I hate you, stay away from me, unquote. One day, Jordan told Alex that his grandpa had died. Alex was obviously upset by this news. He hadn't seen his grandpa in some time, and he didn't get to say goodbye. After a few hours, Jordan asked Alex why he was still upset, and Alex had to explain that she had just told him that one of the most important people in his life had just died. She then told him that his grandpa wasn't dead, so he should be fine. Which was the truth. His grandpa had not died. This was just another one of her cruel jokes. In July of 2016, the couple moved into their own place in Stewartby. The first month seemed to have gone smoothly. It was as if they were going to finally live their happily ever after. They even decided to have another baby, and Jordan was pregnant very quickly after them trying. Alex was ecstatic, but from here, things just began to escalate. Jordan told Alex he had to quit his job because it wasn't good enough. He didn't want to do this, but he did it anyway, likely to avoid a fight. Jordan was going to university at the time and made Alex go with her every day. He wasn't even taking classes, but she forced him to go with her anyway and made him wait in the car while she was in class because she didn't trust him to be at home by himself. She was afraid he'd try to see his mom and dad while she was in school without her knowing. She took his wallet and money away from him, which left him absolutely nothing no money, and no friends. He had been completely isolated from everyone and was all alone. He was missing all of the big events with his friends. Graduations came and went, and he was nowhere to be seen. His friends eventually found a Facebook page that was listed as Alex, but the name was spelt wrong. Instead of A-L-E-X, it was A-L-I-X, with a different middle name. Of course, they sent friend requests to this page, and some of the requests were accepted. His friends called out whoever was running this page immediately, asking why Alex decided to change his name and why they weren't getting responses from him from this Facebook page. Only a few people received responses, and they were not good messages. Alex's best friend, Jordan Parker, sent a request and received a message instead of an accepted friend request. The message told him that Alex had never been his friend and that he never wanted anything to do with him. His friend Jordan knew this was not Alex. He knew that it was his girlfriend who had created this profile. 
He responded to this message, calling out Alex's girlfriend, and then she blocked him. The next month, in August, Alex's grandpa texted him to tell him happy birthday from him and grandma. They received a response back saying, quote, don't message me again, unquote. Another friend of Alex's, Carly, received a message from the fake Facebook account asking her if she was still fat, which was something Jordan knew was an insecurity of Carly's. His aunt Sue saw on Facebook that they had moved into a new house in Stewartby. She was determined to find them and told Jed that she would find him, and so she went on a search. Sue knew that Jordan liked elephants, and she found a house that had elephants in the window. She knew it was their house. She banged on the door, hoping for Alex to answer. Instead, all the lights were shut off and the door was never opened. The family gave up. They thought that he really wanted nothing to do with them, and so they waited for Alex to make contact with them. One night, Alex and Jordan decided to go to a small carnival, but before they went into the park, Jordan accused Alex of cheating on her. She even went as far as to say she received a message from one of these girls confirming her fears, but he knew it was a lie. He hadn't cheated on her, ever. He was no longer in the mood to be at the carnival, but she insisted that they stayed. They had made the trip there. There was no reason to go home now, but only under the condition that Alex go into a convenience store and buy sleeping tablets to take one. So he did as he was told. But after he took one pill, Jordan told him to put the rest in his mouth, chew it up, and swallow it. And so he did. He had a hard time keeping his eyes open while they were there. He can't even remember how they got home that night. On another day, they went for a drive. Jordan decided that during their drive was the right time to attack Alex. So she grabbed her hairbrush and started beating him. She beat him so bad that she knocked one of his teeth loose. Alex stated it was so severe that he was able to just rip the tooth out. At this point, Alex was not sleeping in the bed with Jordan anymore. He was made to sleep on the floor, forcefully awakened when she wanted to beat him with blunt objects. Eventually, she escalated to using knives and a hammer. She began cutting Alex on the arms and legs. She used the hammer to hit him in the shins. She even began withholding food and water from him. Alex wanted to leave, but feared for the life of his children and what would happen to them if he did. On February 3, 2017, at 2.30 a.m., Alex called his father, Graham, for help. His family immediately jumped up to get him. They knew he was in trouble. They just didn't know how bad it was since no one had seen Alex since he left the house in 2015. When they got to the house to get Alex, it was completely dark. There were no lights on again. They knocked on the door to find out what was happening, but no one answered. His Aunt Sue told him that if he didn't open the door, she was going to call the police. But without opening the door, he told them to go away and that he didn't want them there. They refused to leave, so they called the police. Two patrol cars showed up at the house and did a wellness check on Alex. They told Graham and Sue to wait outside while they went in to inspect the situation. 
Upon inspection, all I could tell the family at this point was that Alex was walking with a limp. But aside from that, everything seemed fine. Alex still wasn't leaving the house, so they had to leave him there and leave the property as well. Not long after this, Jordan and Alex went to see Bastille in concert, Alex's favorite band. They had a good time for a moment. Alex was enjoying his time, but this was short-lived. Alex woke up to Jordan that night, pouring boiling hot water onto his back. He screamed out in pain, but if anyone ever heard him, they didn't call the police. He was made to tell everyone who saw that the hotel shower got too hot and burned him when he got in. Jordan then decided to buy a lie detector game and subjected Alex to a torturous game. If the game detected a lie, she would splash him with boiling hot water. The first question suggested that Alex was lying. He ran and she chased after him. He was able to lock himself in the bathroom just in time. On May 2, 2017, their daughter was born. Alex was over the moon and hopeful that the birth of their daughter would turn things around. He thought it was going to be like it was when Thomas was born, and he was right. Things were good, and she did stop hurting Alex, but it only lasted three days until she was back at it. On May 31st, 2017, they both stayed up all night. She was waiting up with a boiling teapot of water, and if it grew cold, she would reheat it. She grew tired of waiting, so she chased Alex around the house and threw the hot water on him anyway, nearly melting his skin off. He screamed out in pain. If any of the neighbors heard, no one called the police again. A few days later, Jordan chased Alex around the house with a bread knife. In an attempt to run, she was able to catch the top of his right hand with the knife. On another night, she was trying to force her way into the bathroom where he had locked himself. He tried to stand on the toilet to get away from her, but she got him anyway. In an attempt to protect his own head from the blow of the knife, he held his right arm up, which received the blunt of the blow. He was cut so deep, the sink filled with blood immediately. The solution? They wrapped his arm in a compression sock to try to stop the bleeding. Jordan, apparently, panicked at the sight of all the blood. This time, the police were called. The neighbors told the police, quote, There's a couple. It sounds like they're having a really, really bad fight. He's shouting, I'm sorry, it's not my fault. Get off me. Leave me alone. Stop hurting me. Unquote. When the police arrived, they were on the porch for a while, knocking, before Jordan finally opened the door. According to the responding officer, Ed Finn, Jordan didn't look disheveled and actually seemed normal and acted casual. She immediately told them that Alex had hurt himself. She let the police in and they saw Alex sitting on the stairs with a towel wrapped around his wrist. Upon further investigation into the home, they found a lot of blood in the bathroom. When Jordan was questioned, she told the police that this is just something that Alex does. He has fits and harms himself sometimes. 
They then noticed the other injuries on Alex, but he also corroborated the story. He also told them that he had cut his own wrists. They were so calm in telling the story that it was believable. So Alex went to the hospital to have his injuries looked at, and the police left. While at the hospital, the doctors actually had to remove the dead skin and flesh from his arms, where he had been cut and burned with hot water previously. He was told he needed surgery and was just about to go in, but Jordan signed him out and tried to leave. The nurses begged for them to stay because Alex needed the surgery, but Jordan still refused. The consultant ended up coming out to speak to them and was able to get Alex alone. He covered Alex's mouth just enough so that he could still speak, and the consultant asked Alex if he was safe to go home, and Alex told him yes. The next day, Ed Finn, concerned about Alex's well-being, tried to contact Alex but was unsuccessful. A few days later, Ed Finn caught a call about Alex's house again, and he responded immediately. When Ed got to the house, he knocked on the door until someone answered. This time, it was Alex. Ed said that when he saw Alex in the daylight, it put things into a completely different perspective. He was clearly being starved. He had multiple injuries that were very visible, and he was also pale. When Ed got Alex alone upstairs to talk to him, he asked Alex if he had been assaulted. Alex was adamant that he had done all of this to himself. Alex would later say that in responding to Ed, he was only thinking of how Jordan might react if he had said or done the wrong thing. However, while Ed was speaking to Alex alone, Jordan came in with the baby and asked if she could change the diaper. It was in a clear attempt to scare Alex. Ed was not having it. He knew he needed to get Alex out of this house, and if he left there without Alex that day, he might be responding to a murder and not a domestic violence call next time. Ed then told Alex that he was taking him in. Jordan was asking when he'd be back and if it would take all day, and they assured her that he would be back. He even kissed her goodbye. When Ed got Alex into the patrol car, he told him that they were not leaving until he got the truth. It was clear Alex needed help, the kids needed help, and so does Jordan. But Alex still said that he was doing this to himself. Ed then decided to turn his body cam off and told Alex that it was off and that he could be honest about what was happening. Alex told him to just go off what the neighbors have said but that he wouldn't admit out loud what was happening. That was enough for Ed. He went back into the house and told Jordan that she was under arrest for possible assault and grievous bodily harm. She took the news fairly well. When Ed explained what was going to happen next, Jordan said it was all fine. The kids went to stay with her parents for the time being. On the way to the police station, Jordan was only concerned with how long she would be there, asking if she would be home within the hour. They got Alex to the hospital. The doctor stated that, based off of his current condition, he had about 10 days left before his body completely gave up. That night, 
The police put Alex up in a hotel and bought him a hot meal from McDonald's. Alex said that it was the best meal he had ever had. But at least he was going to get a good night's sleep, which he hadn't had in a long time. He woke up the next morning, still dressed in his blood-stained clothes, but just happy to be safe and away from Jordan. The following day, the police questioned Alex in the hotel room. He was asked why he had never defended himself or come forward before, to which he said, quote, because I thought it would blow under the carpet one day, unquote. He never retaliated because he never wanted to hurt Jordan. He thought everything would be fine eventually. During Jordan's interrogation, she admitted to attacking Alex with boiling hot water, but claimed that her attacks with a knife were just taps, not attacks. But the injuries were clearly intentional. The burns from the boiling water, the stabs, and the cuts. She even admitted to having hit him with a hairbrush while she was driving, hitting him wherever she could. When Jordan tried to argue her side, the officer stopped her and told her, quote, You can't argue about those injuries because they're quite obvious, because the burn marks and the cuts, unquote. At this point, Jordan didn't try to argue anymore. It was clear she was facing defeat. On September 28, 2017, just four months after the birth of their baby girl, Jordan was charged with 17 counts of grievous bodily harm and controlling or coercive behavior. The police called Alex's parents to tell them that their son was safe, but he had been harmed. When his family asked what had happened, they were told that he had been cut, stabbed, hit with a hammer, burned with multiple items, and beat with a hairbrush. Jed was so heartbroken over the news that she screamed and was inconsolable over the phone. Her sister, Sue, had to take over the call to get the information they needed and told Jed that Alex was finally coming home. All he wanted was his mom and to be at home. He finally got home to his family and was so injured and malnourished that he struggled getting up the steps to the house. But he was welcomed by the whole family. Even his favorite person, his grandpa, was there to be with him. Even through all of this, he was never concerned about himself. His only concern was for his children and how he could make them safe. Within five days, he was reunited with the kids. This was the first time the family would be meeting his daughter. They didn't even know that Jordan had given birth. Alex began hanging out with his old friends again, and it was like no time had passed. They were just so happy to have him back, safe and alive. The following year, on April 13, 2018, Jordan pled guilty to three of the 17 charges. She was sentenced to two seven-year sentences for wounding with intent and grievous bodily harm to be served concurrently and six months for controlling or coercive behavior, which means she'd only serve seven years and six months total. According to the BBC documentary, Abused by My Girlfriend, Jordan was the first woman in the UK to be convicted of this type of charge. Alex has since stated that when Jordan was sentenced, it was the first time in five years that he felt safe. 
When they asked Alex about how he felt about moving on from the situation, he said, quote, I just don't want to get hurt anymore, unquote. Today, he still physically and emotionally carries his scars. He speaks out against domestic violence and how it happens to men, too. He says he's understanding abuse better and wants to help others understand it, too. He even started a soccer team sponsored by a domestic abuse charity. He regularly talks to professionals to help them recognize the signs of abuse and what they can do to help. If you know anyone facing domestic abuse, please call the Domestic Violence Hotline at 800-799-7233. They can also provide helpful tips on how to recognize abuse and how to help. And that is where the case ends. If you guys enjoyed today's episode, there's many more to come. Hit the subscribe button so that you get notifications when new episodes drop. If you have any suggestions, send them my way at grimgossippod at gmail.com and follow me on Instagram at grimgossippod. All websites used for the research is in the show notes if you guys want to take a deeper dive into this case. Thank you for listening. Until next time.